nurses, we're taking the opportunity to dive back into the data from a survey of 6,000 nurses conducted by the American Nurses Association in 2017. We initially addressed the survey results during part one of this two-part series back on episode 146. So, welcome to part two, and this is indeed episode 147 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. Thanks for being part of The Nurse Keith Nation. Whether you're listening for the first time or you've been tuning in for months or years, this podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, inspiration, and ideas that can get you moving in a positive and inspired direction. If you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can follow along at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 147. Anyway, I am thrilled you're here, as I always am, so let's jump into the studio together and dig into today's topic. Come on with me. So folks, as I mentioned in the introduction, this is part two of a two-part series, and I am so interested in the results of this American Nurses Association 2017 survey of 6,000 nurses that I've devoted two blog posts and now two episodes of the Nurse Keith Show to the results, because I think there's a lot to dig into here. And if you missed episode 146, you definitely want to go back and listen to it and catch up. But we are going to talk about more aspects of these survey results right now in part two of our two-part series. Now, if you want to see the original blog posts, they are over at digitaldoorway.blogspot.com, and they were published on February 5th and February 12th, 2018. So there's lots to listen to, lots to read, and lots to talk about and reflect on based on the results of this survey. So the first part of the survey that we talked about on episode 146 had to do with salaries and trends and what kinds of specialties people are working in and who's getting benefits and all that kind of good stuff. And that is very important data for us to think about because it affects the ways that we think about our careers, right? So like I said in episode 146, this survey was not a scientific survey in that it is not completely representative of our entire profession. It's a snapshot. And I think it might be a slightly skewed snapshot because I'm making the assumption that a lot of these nurses that were interviewed work in the hospital in acute care settings. I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. And if you happen to know differently, let me know. (laughs) Be that as it may, even though it's not a scientific sample, we can still extrapolate a lot from the data. And this second part of the ANA survey that was published in American Nurse Today in December of 2017, had to do with the issues of self-care, incivility, bullying, and how employers support or don't quite support nurses in the workplace. These are issues that I've talked about before. There are tons of articles and blog posts about these issues of self-care, bullying, etc., etc. And we definitely need to break this stuff down because this affects you you nurses with your boots on the ground every single day. So let's start with self-care. 
Self-care is super important. I've blogged about it. I've podcast about it. I've done keynotes about it. And there's a lot of us out there on the bully pulpit talking about how nurses need to practice more self-care. Well, when the American Nurses Association talked to these 6,000 nurses about their self-care habits at home and at work, 73% of the respondents said that they had improved their eating habits, while 66% said that they had increased their level of physical activity. Now, 56% reported they had less stress than previously, 41% had improved sleep, and 35% were taking more breaks. One of the questions I have is, are they taking more breaks because their employers or their managers are letting them know that they should take breaks? Or are they being more assertive in just taking those darn breaks because they deserve and need them? I bet it's probably the latter. Now also, 30% of those 6,000 nurses reported getting at least 7 hours of sleep per night. And I'm assuming that that 30% doesn't have little babies at home. And 15% said that they were regularly able to sleep for 8 hours a night. And I can hear some of you laughing right now uproariously. But, you know... A lot of nurses are sleep-deprived. A lot of the general public are sleep-deprived. But I feel somewhat encouraged that so many of these nurses seem to be taking care of themselves, eating better, getting more exercise, getting more sleep, taking more breaks. This is definitely encouraging for this nurse coach's heart. Now, I know, of course, these 6,000 nurses, like I said, are not representative of all of you. However, I also get the sense that in our society, in our culture at large, there is more talk about self-care. There's more talk about mindfulness, meditation, yoga, exercise, fitness, good nutrition, a plant-based diet, etc. So I think there is an overall movement here in the first several decades of the 21st century that people are caring for themselves more and realizing that it's important for their longevity and their well-being. So I am encouraged by this. And I want to know from you, the listeners of The Nurse Keith Show, you can post on my Facebook page if you want or just email me or text me privately. What are you doing in terms of your self-care? Are you sleeping better? Are you trying to practice better sleep hygiene? Are you eating better? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you exercising? I really want to know what's going on for you all out there. What are the pain points? What are the parts of your lifestyle and your work style that aren't working? Because if they're not working, I'm going to talk about them and try to help you figure out how to make them work better. For those of you who have little babies at home, my hat's off to you. My condolences. I know it's really hard and it's hard to get your sleep, but you need to figure out how to take care of yourself. And being a nurse and a mother or a father and having a household to run, I know that self-care can often get short shrift in the face of all of those stressors. So let me know how you're caring for yourself or not caring for yourself, and I'll see if I can help. Now let's move on to the data from the survey about incivility and bullying. So within the survey, for the purposes of the ANA survey, they defined bullying as, quote, Repeated, unwanted, harmful actions intended to humiliate, offend, and cause distress in the recipient. So that's a pretty good 
definition of bullying. I wonder if my friend Renee Thompson, the national nurse expert on nurse-to-nurse bullying, I wonder if she would agree with that definition. I bet she does, and we'll have her listen to this episode and let us know. Now, 10.17% of the 6,000 respondents said that they had frequently experienced bullying. 10.17%. I'm surprised by that low number. But 24.5% said that they had never experienced bullying at all in the workplace. And 33.47% said they'd experienced it very rarely. Now, 4.32% of that 6,000 nurses said they had very often been on the receiving end of bullying. And in my book, 4% of 6,000 is way too many, but we know that bullying is real and we know it happens all the time. Now let's change channels just slightly to incivility, which for the purposes of the survey was defined as, quote, rude and discourteous actions such as demeaning others, gossiping, or using nonverbal insults like eye-rolling, deep sighing, and finger-pointing, unquote. 10.4% of the nurses in the survey said that they had experienced incivility very often. 18.85% stated it was often. 7.46% said that they had never been on the receiving end of such behavior. And 38.96% said that they had sometimes been subjected to incivility. I'll have to talk to Renee, but I bet incivility is more rampant than bullying in terms of the numbers of actual events. Because if you take into consideration eye rolling, sighing, finger pointing, and all those nonverbal cues that we can consider incivility but not necessarily bullying, those happen all the time. And you can see that the numbers for incivility were significantly higher than the numbers for bullying. Now again, I'll stress this isn't a scientific sample of the entire nursing profession, but 6,000 nurses does tell us something and it does give us some interesting data to extrapolate. What we can say from this is that there is bullying and incivility happening and that a significant portion of the nursing population experience it. And have you experienced it or do you experience it now? Are people in your workplace eye rollers? Are they finger pointers? Are they the ones who shake their heads and kind of just turn their back on you and they're just rude and discourteous? That's awful. It feels awful. It isn't necessarily defined as bullying, but that is terrible, aberrant, negative behavior, and it doesn't belong in a professional environment, but we all know it happens every day. According to the survey, in terms of intervening when witnessing bullying, 63% of these 6,000 nurses said that they had actually intervened to put an end to an event of bullying that they'd witnessed. Sometimes this had to do with an older nurse defending a younger nurse from being bullied. It had to do with chain of command issues in response to bullying. And it also had to do with putting a stop to verbal abuse, a nurse coming into a situation saying, look, this has to stop. This is terrible behavior. So it sounds like these nurses see themselves as stepping up to the plate. 63% of them 
have actually intervened in some way, and that's awesome. And I'd like to know if any of you have actually intervened on behalf of another nurse or a patient or a family member or a colleague of any kind. And what have you done? What has the situation been? How did you intervene? Sometimes intervening means going to management and telling them what's happening. Sometimes an intervention might be documenting the bullying or harassment you're witnessing so that it can be corroborated later and you're getting witnesses to sign off saying, yes, I saw this too. Or it might be actually stepping between a bully and the target of the bullying. Whatever it happens to be, we know it is going on and we know that some of you out there are actually stepping up to the plate and saying, no, no more. Boy, I've written and talked about this in the last few months, but with the Me Too movement exploding all over the country here in the United States and all over the world, trying to put an end to sexual harassment of women, we also need to step up to our own Me Too movement here in the nursing profession and healthcare and say that whether it's sexual harassment or it's bullying or incivility, we also have to say Me Too and no more, and we're going to put an end to it. I'd like to know what you are seeing and feeling and experiencing, and I want to see if any of you feel that these data points are inaccurate from your perspective, and I'd just like to have your reaction to the survey results. Now, moving on, this is a short section of the survey, but it's talking about organizations and healthy workplace environments. And in terms of the nurses feeling that their workplaces are actually supportive of them in creating a healthy environment, 17% felt that their workplace or organization were completely supportive of them at work. 17%, that is pathetic. Now, 36% said that their organization was somewhat supportive of them, and 10% said that their organization and workplace were not supportive at all of their nurses. 10%. So that means 600 of those nurses feel that they get absolutely zero support from their employer or their organization where they work. And that is also pathetic. So what that also tells us is that a lot of nurses, a lot, a plethora of nurses are not feeling supported by their workplaces. That is just egregious and has to change. Boy, we all want to work for organizations that support us. And unfortunately, a lot of our nurse sisters and brothers out there, they are not feeling supported. And maybe you listening to this episode right now, you don't feel supported either. And I am so sorry that you're having that experience at work. Now, other trends that were identified by the survey, 62% of those 6,000 nurses said that their workload had increased in the last 12 months. And I bet most of you are probably nodding your head right now saying, I bet it's more 80 or 90%. But 62% of those 6,000 nurses said their workload has increased. Now, I bet workloads are increasing across the board in healthcare physical therapists, occupational therapists, nurses, aides. I think everybody is feeling this workload increase across the board in healthcare. Man, we've got a lot going on in the United States here with an aging population, with nurse-patient ratio issues, understaffing, 
nursing shortages, you name it, there's a lot going on and we are feeling the repercussions, those of us who work on the front lines. Now, major challenges at work that these nurses verbalized as being an issue for them were one, documentation. And I can just see all of you nodding your heads. Documentation has become a bear in pretty much every aspect of nursing and healthcare, whether it's school nursing or the ICU. Documentation is king, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know how to look at it, but it is killing a lot of us and it's killing patient care to a large extent because we have to spend so much time doing documentation and not being face-to-face with our patients. Another issue and challenge identified by the respondents to the survey was turnover and recruitment of staff. So let me say something about this. New nurses are said to be leaving the profession in droves in the first three years of their being nurses. Up to 30% of new nurses leave the profession entirely by the time they reach the end of their third year of employment. That is just incredibly horrible statistics. A lot of that has to do with incivility and bullying. A lot of it has to do with healthcare organizations and hospitals not knowing how to offer preceptorships or internships that matter residencies that are effective, mentoring programs that actually mentor and provide real guidance for new nurses. When we have high levels of attrition, that causes instability in our workplaces, right? When nurses are coming and going and lots of travelers have to be brought in because we can't keep nurses on staff and then there's always people, new people coming and going and leaving and coming back and people being fired and people quitting and new people coming on. And if we have bad onboarding practices, and we have incivility and bullying, and we have poor management and poor support, that is a recipe for turnover and attrition and recruitment disasters. Now, related to that is understaffing. That was also identified by the nurses as being a major issue. So nurse-patient ratios, understaffing, etc., that is a huge issue. Communication with colleagues was brought up as being a big issue. They didn't elucidate whether this means communicating with other nurses or with surgeons or PTs or whatever. I bet it's just kind of in general communication being an issue. This is why I am such a big proponent of developing your communication skills, your assertive communication skills, and your relational intelligence and your emotional intelligence. I'm going to have to dig into those subjects even more here on the Nurse Keith Show and on my blog because communication is key. Because face it, healthcare is a team effort. We need to be able to communicate with each other. People need to be able to keep their anger in check. People need to be able to be assertive without being aggressive. And people need to learn how to monitor their emotions and the emotions of others and relate in ways that are actually effective. So, communication. Obviously, we all need help with this because it's an issue for so many of us in the workplace. A lot of the nurses voiced fears of nursing shortages that are happening in different parts of the country. They also voiced fear of being asked to do more in less time. That goes back to the understaffing issue. They also expressed concern about spending less and less time with patients, which again feeds back into understaffing the overabundance of documentation, especially redundant documentation, 
And then that whole turnover and recruitment of staff thing. So these major challenges being faced by nurses, I think are pretty ubiquitous. I think most of you would probably agree with these that came about from the data from the survey. And, you know, on the bright side of the survey, a lot of the nurses identified technological advances as being good things for helping them be better, to be more effective, to be more efficient. 92% of those 6,000 nurses said that their workplace was using an EMR or an EHR. Some of you may be rolling your eyes saying that the EMRs are actually the problem. So yes, a lot of EMRs don't work well. They have a bad user interface. They're not user-friendly. There's a lot of redundancy. So yeah, technology can be our friend and our foe. But a lot of these nurses in the survey thought that technological advances were actually helping. They didn't go into whether this had to do with like robotics and things like that. I'm assuming they meant more than just EMRs. I would like to see another survey that dives more deeply into the details of what technologies nurses are seeing as helpful and what technologies they're seeing as meh, maybe not quite so helpful. Now, the nurses also said that the increasing popularity of higher education among nurse colleagues was very encouraging. They were seeing a lot of nurses go back for their BSN, which they thought was great. And they also saw a lot of nurses getting involved in leadership and committees and other positive workplace trends. So there were some positives that came out of this, and I think that's great. And I encourage all of you to consider getting involved in committees volunteering for those extra types of projects that can be good resume builders, honestly, but also can help you to feel more connected. And I know you're busy, you're working really hard, so volunteering for a committee can feel like, oh my God, that's the last thing I want to do. However, it can help you have a voice and be an advocate for everyone else on the floor. So if you can get on a committee, you can actually affect very positive change in your workplace. Some of the nurses in the survey talked about the fact that their employers are actually addressing staffing issues, listening to nurse input, using more and more evidence-based protocols, using more nurse practitioners, which a lot of the nurses felt was very, very positive. And they also felt that interdisciplinary communication and staff education were actually getting better overall. A lot of the nurses also identified achieving magnet status as a really positive step being taken by a lot of facilities. So some of you may agree with some of this, some of you may disagree with some of this, but it seems that nurses have a sense of what really helps. And I think what we're getting from this, what really helps is getting involved, having a voice, speaking up, and learning the skills that can actually help you be more effective in the workplace, whether as a clinician, as a communicator, whatever it happens to be. And for those of you who are really interested in communication, you're interested in, you know, the inner workings of the healthcare workplace environment, I encourage you to consider stepping up into leadership. Now, leadership can mean different things. Leadership can mean, of course, becoming a charge nurse or a nurse manager or a CNO or a DON. Leadership can mean joining a committee and just being an advocate, you know, being an informal leader, not a formal leader. So you can lead from the bedside. You don't have to have a title 
to be a leader. I think I actually did a podcast about that a long time ago. I'll have to look that up. Now, being a leader also can mean going back to school and getting your master's in nursing management or getting a PhD in nurse leadership or information technology management. Whatever it happens to be, we do need our lines of succession. We need succession planning because with a huge swath of nurses retiring in the next 10 to 15 years, and I talked about that in episode 146, we definitely need to address succession planning so those of you younger, more novice nurses now can be the nurses of the future in 5, 10, 15, and 20 years. We need you. And we need the ones who aren't even in nursing school yet. Let's keep those pipelines filled so that our lines of succession are healthy and we can have highly trained, highly effective leaders coming up through the ranks to take on those tasks that will continue to be important as the 21st century advances. So folks, these survey results tell us a lot. They tell us that there's a lot of real life issues out there that nurses really care about. It tells us that there are things that need to be changed, that healthcare environments, workplaces, administrators, managers, executives need to pay more attention to nurses' voices. We need to work more diligently to get rid of the bullies, to get rid of the uncivil behavior, to look at ways to make more positive, healthy work environments. We see that nurses are trying to take care of themselves more. And I can see that the millennial generation is very much tuned into the fact that they need to take care of themselves and have healthy boundaries and all the power to them. I want the millennial generation of nurses to teach the rest of us how to take care of ourselves, how to say no when no is what you need to say, when you don't want to take that third or fourth or fifth or sixth shift, when you have to say, no, I value my time off. I need to be home with my family. Those types of boundaries are important, and I like seeing these younger generations of nurses owning that, taking ownership of their self-care, and setting an example for the rest of us. So I'm surprised by some of the data in this survey. I'm not surprised by a lot of the data. I think we need to pay attention to the attrition rates of nursing. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of each other, and we need to be assertive in our communication with our workplaces about what we need, what we want, what we demand, and we need to vote with our feet. If we're working in a healthcare environment where we are being subjected to horrible management, terrible supervision, bad onboarding practices, high levels of attrition, bullying and negative workplaces, and horrible working environments, we need to vote with our feet and get the heck out of those environments. That will be what helps these organizations change. And if you're in an organization where it is a distressed environment, where you are not happy and you're not cared for and you feel like you're at risk, you need to vote with your feet, find a new job, and get out of there so that you can be in a place where you can actually be taken care of. So what I would like to have seen with this survey, and I hope that the ANA might do in the future, and I will actually talk with Pam Cipriano, the president of the ANA, about this, is I'd like to see a breakdown of the participants in the survey by work setting. I'd like to know the percentage who work in hospitals, the percentage who are in home health or school health. I'd like to know the percentage who are managers, the percentage who were actually staff nurses. 
While 60% of all nurses in the United States actually work in hospitals, the survey didn't tell us how many of the nurses in this survey were hospital nurses. And that would be very important to know so that we can really extrapolate correctly from what is happening in the various types of environments. I would also like to see, like I said, a breakdown of the types of technology that nurses see as important. And I think an entirely separate survey about technology is definitely called for. So my friends, overall, it's our collective and individual responsibility to improve our workplaces, to be assertive, to demand what we want and create the future that we desire and also the future that we deserve as individuals and as a profession. I want to thank the ANA for elucidating a lot of important data. I'd like them to do more. I'll make some recommendations to them. And if you have any recommendations or there's any data we haven't covered that you think should be included in this type of large-scale nursing survey, hit me up, Nurse Keith Coaching on Facebook, email me, keith at nursekeith.com, and I will communicate that information to Pam Cipriano at the ANA. So folks, there you have it. That is the end of our two-part series in response to the ANA survey from late 2017. Folks, I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode, and I encourage you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your professional satisfaction in career development. And did you know that you could become a patron of the Nurse Keith Show? That's right. Bradley Sandoval, Wendy Davidson, and others send a little bit of money to the Nurse Keith Show every month to help support the production and the promotion of the show. It really helps, folks. And if you donate at the $10 or $20 a month level for a couple months, you're going to get some great prizes and presents from me in return for your generosity. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you value this show, show a little bit of love, give a little bit towards the show, and I will give you lots of love back. You'll be very pleased with what I offer you, and you'll learn all about the offerings over at patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by the amazing Tim Hollowell of thepodcastinggroup.com, and social media and promotion are handled by the equally amazing Mark Cappiespeason. Check out the Pulse Media Network at pulsemedianetwork.com. Check out my newsletter that you can sign up for at nursekeith.com. And head over to Amazon and find my books, Aspire to be Inspired and Savvy Networking for Nurses. They make great gifts for Nurses Week and great gifts just for yourself any time of year. Folks, stay positive, care for yourself and others, take inspired action in the interest of your career, and tune in again as we continue to explore how to make your nursing career more satisfying and inspired than you ever imagined. Be well, dig deep, stay curious, create success, seek joy, and keep in touch. Adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. This is Nurse Keith signing off. See you soon. Mm-hmm.